0: Welcome to Chatechesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a Deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chatechesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Sadlier's catechetical programs, Christ in Us for Kindergarten through Eighth Grade, and Cristo en Nosotros, the Spanish bilingual edition for Kindergarten through Sixth Grade. They set the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check them out today at sadlyreligion.com slash CIU and see how their innovative approach is changing the future of catechesis. So glad to be with you and to chat with you today. Today's topic will be looking at Catechetical Sunday for 2022, the title of which is, This is My Body Given for You. As part of this episode, we're going to look at the challenges that are facing catechesis today and how the title of this, uh, the title of Catechetical Sunday calls catechists and DREs back to the source of who they are and their mission, which is the Eucharist. This is my body given for you, the title of this year's Catechetical Sunday, also an obvious reference to the Eucharist. So without further ado, let's get started. So let's kind of reflect a little bit on the state of parish catechesis. Um, What's the landscape look like? Uh, Who's in it? What's going on? What are the challenges? I think right now for many parishes, first and foremost, and probably in an unprecedented way, uh, DREs, catechetical leaders are struggling to find volunteers. Now, I've heard it said that, well, it's due to COVID, Uh, COVID sort of caused this huge abruption. Um, You know, people stopped going to church, people disconnected from parish life, and we're still feeling, you know, those effects. I think there's some truth to that. I I think that um, for a lot of people, for a lot of people in their faith, uh, to not be able to go to church uh, during a time of crisis, uh, you know, really caused uh, some existential angst and raised some serious questions. About the role of church and faith in their lives. Um, Granted, and all credit should be given to parishes who got creative, um, or as Jesus says, you know, to his disciples as he sends them out to evangelize and catechize, be as wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And I think the wisdom of our parishes during the pandemic was to quickly shift uh, to videotaping you know, recording and streaming uh, the mass, as well as other liturgical services, trying to to provide at least an online presence, uh, streaming into the homes of parishioners, since they could not come to their spiritual home, which is the parish. Um, that being said, and yes, I do think the pandemic was very disruptive, and we are still feeling those effects. I think there's also just a, a lack of um, maybe a greater degree of apathy or a lack of uh, uh, sense of priority for the faith among Catholics um, that has really not anything to do with COVID, uh, but could be attributed to other things. For example, still experiencing the fallout of our clergy abuse scandals, which have stretched over many decades and kind of came to at least a public head uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. And it's like uh, I, I really equate that whole unfortunate phenomenon with uh, like a like a nuclear bomb, you know, a nuclear bomb goes off and the immediate heat just burns everything up around it. Right. Within a you know, however many mile radius. But then those living outside that blast radius have to endure you know a lifetime or however short their life is now of radioactivity. Of, of cancer, of all sorts of fallout repercussions. And I still think those repercussions are happening. I still think we're living in that fallout period. Uh, and anybody who tries to argue we're not, and even though that thanks be to God, the, the numbers of cases that are still emerging are less and less, and that's on a global scale. Um, and keeping in mind, this is not a, a issue particular to the Catholic Church, but other Christian denominations have suffered from this. Other religions have suffered from this, and organizations, institutions that have nothing to do with religion have suffered from those abusing power uh, for their personal gain. Uh, we see this happen in schools. We see this happen in um, fraternal organizations. Uh, we see this happen in other nonprofits. Um, it's just it's a it's a indication of the fallenness, right? The brokenness of humanity, a brokenness brought on by our first parents, Adam and Eve, and that uh, original sin we inherit. And while we are baptized and that erases the guilt or forgives the guilt of original sin, the church teaches we still retain this inner rebelliousness that we call concupiscence. And it's a lifelong battle where Paul will talk about it as a lifelong race that we have to run. Um, and we have to struggle. So I think that the clergy abuse scandals—we're still living in that fallout phase—and I think the ripple effects of that uh, are being felt in the catechetical sphere. Uh, again, DRE is struggling to find volunteers. I also just think—and I think this happens in every generation—and I think this happens in every individual's life. Uh, and we're talking about the individual faith journey now, but it's sort of winds and wends, you know, I don't know anybody who maybe you do good listener, but I don't know anybody who, whose conversion is just sort of this linear trajectory up and up, you know, onward and upward, never flagging, never failing. Um, really the people I've encountered in ministry and, and I've been in several dioceses um, during my lifetime is more of like a um, squiggly line, you know, <laughs> Uh, it, it winds and wends, it doubles back, it, it loops around, it sometimes hits the expressway and other times takes, you know, uh, detours, <laughs> um, especially our young people in college, you know, that tends to be a major detour time, you know, let's go see the sights, you know, the world's biggest ball of yarn <laughs> becomes more attractive than the Eucharist, uh, you know, we're taken in by other philosophies, other, you know, sort of mysticisms and, and, uh, and perhaps other religions as well. So it's, you know, it's much more contoured and and complicated, our faith journey. And I think there's points for every individual. And again, kind of in every generation collectively, we sort of experience it in the aggregate. There's just a time when faith becomes something that we put on the back burner. Faith becomes something that goes to our periphery. You know, it's not it's not a major priority where our, our, our day is not oriented to God. Our day is taken up with not negative things per se or evil things per se. Uh, but, for example, having kids, having families, work, growing in that career, um, friendships, other wonderful things, other intellectual or personal pursuits that we find particularly satisfying. These are not bad things. Now, of course, we want to ideally Put all of these things underneath or subordinate these things uh, to our faith, but that's not always the case, is it? I mean, we talk about the ideal all the time in catechesis. Here's what you should do. Here's how you should be. Here's what the church should be like. Here's how catechesis should be executed. But then we minister in the real, right? The real does not always square, it's not always congruent with the ideal and we have to be creative uh, to fill in the gap between the ideal and the real. So I think we're also just kind of existentially experiencing maybe in the aggregate, that low point of faith in our personal lives um, or putting faith on a shelf or putting faith in a a compartment or a box or however you wanna describe that. I think that's another factor here, the existential factor. So clergy abuse, COVID, the existential component um, I also think that, and this, this goes back to set, you know any number of studies that have been done on socialization in the United States over the last several decades. Thinking in particular of um, Harvard professor Robert Putnam's book, Bowling Alone, which came out in the 90s and just looked at bowling alleys and other organizations, you know, bowling leagues, other organizations too, the Elks and whatnot, um, how they've been, their numbers have been dwindling. Uh, the, fr- the fraternalization is becoming less a component of of mainstream society, mainstream community life. And I think that's the case too in the Catholic Church, which on one level is a social organization as much as it is a divine institution headed by Jesus Christ. Um, so I, I think that there's less of an impulse, less of an attraction to congregate, we talk about congregations, to congregate and experience our faith together. That's something that we've not yet figured out how to handle. You know, we, we, kind of, um, we, we can kind of handle the, uh, you know, handle might be the wrong word, but we can respond, for example, and we have, and the church has done, taken a number of, of great steps to shore up what has led to clergy abuse, one of those factors being clericalism, but just in general terms, um, you know, an air of secrecy, a lack of transparency, however you want to describe that, and a lack of accountability uh, among our hierarchy. So, uh, you can do that. You can respond to some level to the existential issue um you know through evangelization through reaching out through programs through you know trying to relight that can, that candle of faith that flame of faith um covid you know again the church pivoted to respond to that in terms of online and and kind of streaming themselves into people's living rooms uh which is kind of what we're driving at here that's a way of going out right being missionary uh through a digital medium and we quite we just can't we just haven't quite figured out how to be missionary to address the, the waning desire to congregate. Um, I think we're still, many of us, many parishes set on, uh, the hope that people will come back. You know, people will will rediscover the faith and they'll come back to us, so to speak. They'll come back to our parish. Uh, and we know, I mean, there's been any number of, um, books written about this, you know, divine renovation and others from maintenance to mission, you know, just that idea of we've got to go out. Francis has been talking about this since the beginning of his papacy. We need to be a more missionary church, a church of open doors. You know, I just, um, I think that we just haven't quite figured out the, the equation there or the formula. And I'm not so sure that there is a silver bullet, but I'm just suggesting that You look at the continued uh, numbers of attrition, which are appalling for every one person that comes in, and as a director of RCIA, I get excited every year just to have one person in RCIA, we have a very small number typically every year, but I'm very grateful even for that small number. For uh, for everyone though that comes in the church, six leave. That's that's uh that's unsustainable, and we still haven't figured out how to shore that up. Um we haven't we haven't perhaps prayed or discerned enough or cooperated enough with the Holy Spirit, but whatever it is, uh, that remains an issue. So these are the kind of factors that that really are driving uh the lack of catechists that, that and that's such a struggle for DREs. I just we just had mass um Yesterday, when a DRE from another parish who sings at our parish but worships at another parish from time to time, well, this person happens to be a a coordinator, a catechetical coordinator at another parish. And she says, You know, hey Deacon Matt, could you please, you know, sometime during your homily, could you please mention that our parish needs so many catechists? And it was like a, they need like um, 50 or something like that. I mean, it was an extraordinary number. And here we are in September, uh, you know, the time of the, the beginning of the year for catechetical programs. It's also the month of catechetical Sunday, which is the point of this episode. Um, so I said, Oh, my gosh, 50. <laughs> so I'm praying for her, I, I mentioned it, but you know, this is where we're at. Um our own parish, the parish that, that I'm assigned to, we're still trying to find catechists, and we have our first um, catechesis class. We meet on Wednesdays, first RE night, and we're short uh, several catechists. You know what? So again, it's it's a huge problem. It's not just a problem in my backyard. I've heard from many diocesan leaders and DREs. This is a problem across the country. So as we get to this catechetical Sunday which looks at the theme of this is my body given for you. The first question I want to say is where are all the bodies at, <laughs> right? Where are all the bodies at given themselves in catechesis for others? Um, it's, it, this is one of the struggles, right? This is a, a critical and, and challenging piece of the catechetical landscape right now. Um, another thing is another challenge. We're losing enrollment. Um, so, but not, I mean, it's, 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 it's not anything that offsets the need for catechists uh, and, and that's not a win in any scenario anyway, uh, but we're losing enrollees into religious education programs. Um, Catholic school saw a bit of an uptick during, during COVID. So congratulations. And I hope that is sustainable. Um, preschool, a huge jump. So, I, and I, I love that. I've got two kids in Catholic preschool right now. I've got three kids in elementary and I've got one kid in Catholic high school. So they're losing enrollment, um, what's going on? You know, where, what, are, what are moms and dads thinking? Again, this goes back to the existential factor. Where, where is the role of faith in their life? Uh, is it on the back burner? Is it on the shelf? And if that's the case, that witness is something that is communicated to ch- the child or children 24 seven. And it's so funny because he talked to parents about you know, getting them motivated to become catechists and to be these intentional witnesses of their faith. And they say, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I don't have the skill sets. I don't have the training. I don't have the theology, uh, you know, the theological background. And what's funny is you point out, look, you've already been communicating a witness. <laughs> Maybe you just didn't know it. You know, maybe your witness has been, we'll go to mass on Christmas and Easter because we think those are important dates, but we really don't need to go any other Sunday. Or maybe your witness is, you know, um, yeah, you know, the church it's just kind of something you have to deal with, but it's not really that important. What's the only thing that's really important is your personal faith in God. I mean, these, the kinds of things that probably, and most likely unintentionally get communicated from parent to child. So, but it raises the issue that look as a parent de facto, you're in a role of witness and modeling, so that's just part of being a parent. Another challenge is just the lack of material resources. Uh, we can go back to the COVID factor I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but just you know, parents, parents, parishes applying for PPP, <clears throat> PPP, and all that stuff. Um, you know, uh, trying to get the support, uh, the funds they needed to navigate um, uh, 2020 and up, up through 2021. And uh, our parish and many were blessed to receive those funds. Uh, So thank you for that government. Uh, We definitely needed that. Um, But the material resources uh, in terms of the ongoing budgeting for religious education and in most parishes, and this was a study done by Villanova. It was a number of years ago. I haven't seen a more recent study but it talked about religious education and it lumping into that is adult faith formation. So take a broad view of this. So don't just think, you know, young people in classes, think youth ministry, religious ed, adult faith formation and other ministries that might be under the umbrella of faith formation, but a third of the, a third of the parish's budget uh, goes to that. Well, you know, if people aren't tithing like they used to, that budget shrinks and shrinks as we know, and that fraction devoted to faith formation gets smaller and smaller because it's not the top priority. You know, the top priority in the parish is to offer the mass, to offer the sacraments. Um, that's primarily uh, what the church is for. Primarily the church offers a sacramental relationship between people and God. And um, so it's just a challenge from a financial standpoint, although some parishes and due to COVID and due to uh, you know, the government funding provided to households uh, in that time, people chose to tide some of that. Uh, and so some parishes actually saw an uptick in, in their giving, and their RE budget hasn't really fluxed, uh, fluctuated that much. But money remains an issue. Um, making programs, catechetical programs, textbook series, videos, uh, these things are expensive, whether you're doing a subscription to some pro- from some provider, some online, you know, digital resources or videos, or whether you're doing a textbook series, or any combination thereof, it, t- it just costs money to make these things. Um, and you, d- you definitely pay for what you get in the world of catechetical resources. Um, another big challenge facing catechists is just the question surrounding the efficacy, right, the effectiveness of catechesis, and not just today in 2022, but over the last several decades, and there have been any number of kind of these, these flashpoints of uh, public conversation, usually between high-ranking church members and other catech- catechetical leaders, and these conversations slash debates spill out in, in, in Catholic periodicals and magazines. And I'm thinking of like America ran a series of articles in 2012, 2013 around the same issue, you know, as catechesis working. And here we are 10 years later asking the same question. And, and we're asking that question because of what we already talked about, which is the attrition of Catholics. Just losing six to one is unsustainable and, and it's mind boggling. And so what do you blame? Because it's our human tendency to find that scapegoat right what do you blame well catechesis tends to be blamed uh well we're just not teaching them well enough right we're not giving them uh the right information as it were so uh and it's interesting because that that um uh, idea uh, and criticism has been expressed not only for for decades uh, but for almost over a century now, and, and even prior to, but I, the reason I say almost over a century is I'm thinking of one of the great uh, catechetical uh, grandfathers, if you will, of modern catechesis, and certainly liturgical catechesis, um, would be Joseph Jungmann, uh, a Jesuit who's living in, and uh, really what, for the purposes of this discussion, his, his, his uh, wonderful work on catechesis, it was his dissertation coming out in 1936, The Good News Yesterday and Today, which was later reprinted in English in the 60s. um, He looked around, you know, he was operating in in, in and around Austria. And and he says, uh, you know, people are convinced that young, young Germans, young Austrians are not learning their faith well enough. And the reason they say that is because uh, you know They don't look happy. They don't look joyful. They don't seem committed. They don't seem to be uh, mirroring gospel values and attitudes. And he says, what's interesting, though, is, is you can, the, the kids today, and this is, this you got to listen to this, okay? He said, the kids today, right, in 1936 in Germany slash Austria, they have more theology and more catechetical formation than did many clergy of the medieval period (laughs) into the Renaissance. Uh, That's a staggering claim to make, but this guy has the research to back it up. And the point he's saying is it's not about the information that turns on the light bulbs and turns on the heart towards God or turns the heart around towards God, however you want to describe that. It's that encounter with God that experience of God. So this brings us back to the existential factor I talked about at the beginning of the show, which is a challenge to catechesis today. Are people, young people, older people, are we encountering God? If we're not, why aren't we? And what can the church do to help better facilitate that encounter? And that kind of leads me to my last point of the catechetical landscape here as we get close to catechetical Sunday. Parish's, um, you know, catechesis in the direction, how it's delivered, where it goes to, is changing. And I think in a good way, but it's changing quickly and it's changing without a lot of guidance and a lot of forethought, kind of getting ahead of the curve or the head of the pivot. But we're, we're trying to now resource uh, families. We're trying to really build up and evangelize the domestic church, right? So we're looking at households and households are the cornerstones of the parish community, Um, But do we have a good strategy? Do we have a plan? Uh, Do we understand that to evangelize a family, we have to start by evangelizing mom and dad? Do we understand the the complementarity then between adult faith formation and family catechesis? Uh, There's a lot of other dynamics that factor into this. So, for example, if the gospel is not being witnessed to in the household for whatever reasons, and some of those reasons are incredibly alarming. I'll go back to the uh, clergy abuse factor at the beginning of this episode, most abuse that takes place in this country is domestic. And most of it occurs within the family or uh, immediate extensions of the family. And none of that, not none of that, but very little of that gets reported. Um, But if a child's growing up in an abusive household or a child is growing up uh, where there's an absentee parent or a child grows up where the, the, the figure that is supposed to be the model and the witness is giving a model or a witness that's contrary to Jesus Christ and to the message of Catechetical Sunday, this is my body given for you, makes it very difficult to, to resource families and do family catechesis. So we, we really have to grapple with uh, real family dynamics. Uh, we have to get messy and get in uh, the messiness of households uh, and do so in a way that communicates God's love and mercy uh, and offers hope Uh, In particularly difficult family situations. So here we are on Catechetical Sunday. We've just talked about the landscape a little bit and all these challenges, and the church gives us this is my body given for you as the theme for Catechetical Sunday. Well, first of all, I want to say thanks be to God to all of you catechists and catechetical leaders. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your, your decision, your yes to this important ministry, And I think, thank you, USCCB, for this theme. Uh, It's not, this theme was not chosen, I am sure, just because we are now in a three-year period of focus on the Eucharist. USCCB has launched its Eucharist revival that it started on Corpus Christi of this year, and it'll go for the next three years uh, with different sorts of events and initiatives and resources for dioceses and parishes. It's not just that the reason we're focusing back on the Eucharist is because the Eucharist is the source, not only the source and summit of the faith, as the catechism says, but the source and summit of the life of each of us. And in, in this, since we're talking about catechists, the life of the catechist. Um, and it's not just about receiving communion on Sunday. It's about how can we foster a devotion to the Eucharist um, to, to maybe perhaps receive it more more often That's certainly a wonderful thing if we're able to do that. And maybe we really need to think critically about our priorities to make receiving Eucharist more often more of a priority. But it's also about just understanding the mystery of the Eucharist more, meaning who it is that is the Eucharist and who he means to us, what he means to us, Jesus. And to talk about Eucharist and communion is to talk about our own encounter with God. Now, for so many Catholics, that encounter remains on the level of sort of functionality within a ritual setting. So we go to mass, we say what we're supposed to say during the liturgy, we receive communion and we go home. Okay, do we go home trying to glorify God with our lives, as the deacon says at the end Uh, or the priest, if there's no deacon, do we go home? um, Do we go home in peace? That's another uh, dismissal. Another way to end mass, which, by the way, that word mass leans to be sent. Uh, Are we are we carrying out the message, in other words, into our households, into our community, into our personal lives? If we're not, why not? And how can we help facilitate that? The other question about or the other issue that sort of perfunctorily going through the motions of liturgy, which is providing an encounter with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is, if you, you, you get out of mass, what you put into it. I I just don't know any other way to say that you get out of mass, what you put into it. I'm a father of six. My wife and I, God bless her. We try to get everything. I mean, to get kids ready to get to mass is a challenge to keep kids quiet at mass is a challenge. And to try to focus on the message is even more of a challenge. So, uh, I understand. And that's just one kind of, you know, uh, distraction or challenge or frustration. There are others out there, just, the, just our lives. Um, you know, maybe we just had a job loss. Maybe we, we just have felt unloved for, for a period of time or we feel lonely or discouraged or preoccupied with what other people think about us, whatever it is, it's taken up mind space and it's taken up soul space during mass. So how do we, get into those spaces with people because there are many, many of them in our congregation in the pews on Sunday to help them really experience a personal encounter with Jesus who goes into those very questions and issues and challenges and shines his light and tries to bring healing. I mean, this is where we're at. And and this is the challenge of catechesis today. Um, Really getting in, really facilitating those personal encounters with Jesus we do that within communal settings and to do that one-on-one, for example, the from catechist to catechize to really be that model of someone who witnesses to their faith. The previous episode, by the way, check it out. Uh, go to sadly religion and you can just type in chatechesis. Yes. It's a, it's a nice and delicious pun. Chatechesis, sadly religion. And uh, the previous episode takes a look at the identity of the catechist, which was a nice kind of forerunner to this catechetical Sunday episode. Um, But there we talk about the three things the new directory for catechesis identifies as critical to the catechist identity. And the first one being that he or she is a keeper of the memory of God. Does the catechist really see themselves in that role today? I think we're still stuck in trying to communicate lessons. And while that is an important um, prerogative, it it is a priority for catechists to communicate the faith, the content of the faith. Just as important is to communicate a personal witness of faith, because that corroborates and validates the content that's being taught. A lot of challenges today, folks, a lot of challenges facing catechists, DREs, catechetical leaders. And I think our our takeaway as we approach Catechetical Sunday with the theme of this is my body given for you. We all need to return to the Eucharist, uh, to devotion to Christ, but that's also a call to to more deeply understand and hopefully embrace Christ's personal love for each of us, our personal walk with him, and to really try to uh, identify and reflect on how he, Jesus, has walked with us in our lives, because the more we do that, i.e., the more we become keepers of the memory of God. And we can share that witness. And sometimes we share it with words, but most often, and probably more powerfully, we share that witness through action. So it's a call to go out, a call to be Jesus, not only talk about him. And please join me wherever you are in thanking your catechists and catechetical leaders, particularly on this Catechetical Sunday, but any Sunday. I'd like to close with a blessing as we always do in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God. Thank you for this approaching catechetical Sunday. Thank you for the Eucharist, the theme of this Sunday. Thank you for catechists and catechetical leaders and their commitment uh, to sharing your good news, your love, your mercy, your, your desire to be with each one of us in a personal way. I ask you to bless all of us in this enterprise Help us to be more and better witnesses of our faith, as well as communicators of it. And we ask this all through Christ, our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. This has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. I look forward to chatting with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash C-I-U.